I don't know what any of this shit is, and I'm fucking scared. First, you're going to tell me about this dying stuff. Sorry about that. What is a scientist? You caught me like I'm experimenting with science. It's like magic with electricity. I know that. I'm not stupid. I'm smarter than you. The smartest scientists in the entire world all agree science is a liar sometimes. Seriously, this could not seem less scientific. Those idiots don't know anything about science. It's science. I believe it's pronounced science. This is the least scientific thing I've ever seen. So I'm just experimenting with them? You be quiet. Thank you, scientists. See, I don't know, I don't know if you caught it, but again, like right at the 30... 37 second mark i go all right i'm (laughs) i'm in control of this doing something yeah (laughs) (laughs) i wonder who turns this oh me it's it's me again (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's It's hardest when you're your own boss yeah this guy's a dick (laughs) um Welcome to Under the Guise of Science. I am Charles. And I'm Chris. Hello. We are the guys of science. At or about science. The guys in the vicinity of science. (laughs) In the neighborhood of science. There's a lot of science shows out there. We're probably the least sciencey. But we're probably the most sciencey comedy show. We would we would certainly hope. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I actually, like uh, I feel like we're others. we're funnier than Chuck Nice. Oof. Like like I know he's a comedian, like an actual comedian, like he gets paid to do that, but I don't know. He he never makes me laugh that much. He's nice. He's trying. He's definitely nicer than we are, or at least he's catering to a nicer audience. Because I remember him back. He was on uh, that. He was on a WNEW show that led into Opie and Anthony, and he was a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. Played to a different audience, I guess. He was playing to the angry white dudes that the virus. What are they called? <laughs> oh, the the pests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Opie and Anthony pests. pests. Yeah, so he knew that he was. Leading into that, so he had to cater to that a little bit more. But with Neil deGrasse Tyson's audience, I don't think he's as uh, foul-mouthed, I guess you could say. Yeah, and also, I guess, to be fair, he's... How are you thinking of jokes when he's explaining stuff to your face? You're the only person he's talking to. It's like, fuck! Like I'd, he, I'd be hanging on every word constantly and say, right, "Oh right." Yeah, and he's he's explaining it real. He's like, he's the source for all the bullshit YouTube videos and stuff that we're going to. Like, yeah, that's that's the you know, well, not the literal, the uh, metaphorical horse's mouth. This metaphorical horse, you say? Yeah. Um, oh, that reminds me. So, the saying, "Never look a gift horse in the mouth." Uh, this is one of the things where I heard it and probably made a decision very early on in my life and then didn't revisit it until I was older. Um, <laughs> it's usually good. Yeah. So it was a gift horse, like a horse that someone's giving you. 
It means you don't look in its mouth to see if it's got diseases. You're getting the horse for free. Okay. I, for probably into my 20s, if I'm not mistaken, it took me, it was like, oh, like, oh, a gift horse. Like, I thought it meant like, like gift was like a horse disease or like a, a, like, like a, it, like it had like a stump for a leg or something like that. Like I don't know what I thought it was. It was like, oh, that's a gift horse. You don't want to look it in the mouth. You'll catch it. You know, like it was. <laughs> like it was a warning. Yeah. <laughs> don't look you... a gift horse in the mouth. Not unless you want to get bit. Right. <laughs> yeah, good advice. Rather than like, don't be an asshole. It was. Hey, these are words to live by. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I did. I didn't look in any horse's mouths. Well, I mean, if everybody has to learn expressions at some point, right? And there's, there's a, a, one of those things where if you go too long, you can't ask, what does this mean? Because now, now you're stupid, right? Like you have to, I don't know, privately <laughs> ask your dad when nobody else is around or something. <laughs> it would be great if you were able to set, if Google could set a filter on certain questions and be like, go ask your parents. you you need to know what this feels like to be uh to be shamed go ask your parents idiot (laughs) google has to insult you (laughs) um we were out at uh lauren and i were at dinner before and I talk a lot all the time and I sometimes make jokes loudly. And I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> She's usually in for laughing. And tonight I got probably in the less than five times in the whole time we've been together where like sitting next to her, like getting punched in the leg, <sighs> like to be quiet. Because there was a lady with a really shrill voice, and I was listening to her talk. I was like, she's so fucking loud, and I couldn't figure it out. And then I was like, oh, shit, she sounds like Dana Carvey and Little Nicky when he's the basketball referee. Okay. (laughs) So then, like, every few minutes, I'd go, get that crap out of here! (laughs) (laughs) That or the... uh... But that that means it was close enough. If you were getting punched over it, that's like, whoa, that's, like, obvious (laughs) who you're making fun of. (laughs) It was very clear. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) All right, 10 points off the globe trotters on account of the big mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Not enough people like that movie or admit liking that movie. (laughs) Yeah, I love that movie. I mean, what did you you think it was going to be? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you put it on or like whatever, like, yeah, you know. Adam Sandler's doing that voice the whole time. You know what it is. Like you can't come out. That wasn't a good movie. Yeah, no shit. It was. It was a little Mickey. They were trying to make that right. <laughs> that was uh. That was on regular rotation. Anytime, uh, anytime that was hanging out at your house. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> it's on all the time. That one and basketball; <laughs> those are those are the two big ones for a while. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Deeds got a decent bit of rotation for yeah. a little bit, right when that one first came out. But getting back to movies, like oh, that was a bad movie. Like the fact that people gave, like, seriously tried to critique Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> it's like, have you seen the show that he's been right. doing for the last two years? This is what did what did you think this is going to be? <laughs> right, Th- this movie is. I cannot believe they gave me enough money to make a movie. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Like. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to make the stupidest fucking movie I possibly can. <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved every stupid second. <laughs> I love that his romantic interest was paraplegic and she got off by getting her legs whacked with bamboo. <laughs> See, uh... <laughs> The fucking the, the little kid that kept getting hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that was so fucking rough. <laughs> yeah, he leans in. <laughs> I love that because of that movie. I have holstered in case anytime I need to bring it out. Um, like if I'm declining something i can say it. and i am uh going to once again have to bow out of the cheese sandwich industry <laughs> <laughs> right they make cheese sandwiches at a fucking factory <laughs> yep <laughs> fucking assembly line <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that's when he works at the cheese sandwich shop. I don't know what. No, he worked at the, the cheese sandwich factory. Yeah, it, it, it's going past them, and like it gets crazier and crazier with each passing sandwich that he makes until he's eventually laying on the belt and, and then standing up with sandwich <laughs> on his face and whatever weird things he does, and taking a giant piece of uh, encased meat, a giant seven-pound piece of meat holding it in his crotch and just swinging it back and forth, just going, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Right. Yeah, and Roger Ebert's going to fucking, whatever, the fu- whatever his name is, he's going to sit down and actually treat that as cinema. That's not what this was. That's not what. It- yeah. Wrong mindset. <laughs> that movie I was very happy to see in the theater. Yeah. I don't know if I did or not. I probably did. But that came out when I had nothing but time and no bills. Yeah, I I would venture to guess that uh <laughs> you were definitely there as were Crack, Bob and yeah. one or two other people. Everyone listening was <laughs> was there with us probably. Yep. <laughs> so our entire audience we hope you guys remember that time <laughs> we went to- <laughs> you crack remember that shit <laughs> <laughs> there's some i forget there's another movie that came out at the same time it was like a, a kids movie 
that ended up doing crazy good and Freddie got fingered really like tanked which no one was surprised about but there's there's a working theory that Tom Green has that this ridiculous kids movie that did way better was kids buying that so they could sneak into see his movie which they couldn't buy tickets for on their own interesting yeah let me see if I can find that real quick yeah, he's gonna have to back that up with evidence is there a survey? Did we interview all the children after they grew up? And it was <laughs> the uh, stat- statute of limitations had, had passed? Uh, it was seven years ago. We're not going to kick you out of the theater anymore. <laughs> uh, God damn it. It's a whole interview. I don't want to fucking... Hey, what is this show about? Just read it. <laughs> uh, Crocodile Dundee? Crocodile Dundee didn't come around around the same time. No, that was way oh, after. Oh, so Crocodile. I guess I guess whatever Crocodile Dundee movie it was dramatically overperformed. Oh, it was like Crocodile Dundee 4 or something like that? Yeah, or in L.A. or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, all right. And he thinks that was him. I. Who would you put money on more? The, <laughs> the really another Crocodile Dundee movie or a guy who's had an MTV show for the last year well, or two? Well, he's saying... He's saying it was kids, so it might have been their first chance to see Crocodile Dundee on the big screen. <laughs> All right. That doesn't come along too often. <laughs> when are you going to see all Hoagie on the screen for the yeah. first time? Unless they put out a... <laughs> he must have been like 65 at that point. Or... <laughs> He's got to be probably, close. probably pushing it, but yeah. Probably older than that. I think he's like almost 80. Oh, now? Yeah. In 1939, he was born. Wow. So 84 years old, this fucking guy. So 25 years ago, he was 59. (laughs) All right, good. (laughs) What did you guess? 55? I said 65. Oh, 65. All right. Okay. Yeah, all right. A little high. Not bad. Damn, all right, good. So at least he was older than we are now. (laughs) I hate that that's the thing now. I know. It's like, oh, this guy was fucking five years younger than I am right now, and they made that movie. (laughs) Yeah, the one that gets me is Mr. Miyagi. Oh, how old is he? He was... he was supposed to be like 55 or something like that at the time. So I think I think Daniel LaRusso, the, the actor who played Danny LaRusso, what the hell is his name again? Oh, I can God. remember Danny LaRusso, but I can't remember. Oh, damn it. Whatever. He's older now than Mr. Miyagi was. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Ralph Macchio. There you go. Long Island's own Ralph Macchio. 
Although, to be fair, he was like 26 when they made that movie. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was He was significantly older than Just looked young. I mean, 18. he still looks young. He's still gangly and shit. Um, I don't know. Speaking of people who don't look young. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Penrose is my favorite scientist. And Sir? Sir Roger Penrose. That's true. He earned that shit. <laughs> and one of the main reasons is he exemplifies the DGAF attitude because this is like, okay, we watched the video of uh, Roger Penrose giving a talk at some um, conference and it was a very cool like virtual reality kind of or, or I don't know, digitally enhanced uh, lecture that he was giving and um this is for everybody. I mean, it's out there on YouTube. It's been seen by, I don't know, hundreds of thousands probably. And he shows up with, you know, uh, crooked glasses. His hair is uncombed. He's got the, the same sweater that he's probably been wearing for a couple days. And just <laughs> here he is. He does not give a shit. He's there to talk about black holes. He showed up to that looking like the guy that's been missing from the nursing home for the last seven hours. Yeah. That they found in a park bench nearby. Like he just like he just has comfortable grandpa clothes on. <laughs> and yeah, the cro- crooked glasses. Like I was wa- I I remember pausing it a few times, like this motherfucker's glasses aren't even on straight. <laughs> yeah. This guy's great. <laughs> he's, he's talking about like he came up with all these ideas that we're talking about. And he was like, I remember when I, I sat with this guy and wrote a paper on him. It was like, he worked with him. And I gave a lecture and Hawking was there. And it was like, shit. What yeah. Damn. He's been doing it. He's the, uh, he's like, he's got like the Bill Belichick coaching tree of other physicists learning their, learning from him and then having right. their own ideas from it. Yeah, for real. Was it Bellatrix Tree or was it somebody else? Is somebody more upstream than him? Might have been Tuna Parcells. Ah, okay. Because yeah, I think Belichick is on his tree. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Belichick yeah. didn't didn't sound right. He's the only one I can remember. <laughs> it works. But uh, yeah, like I texted you, this this video was I was able to follow. Like I was never completely lost. Uh, there were minimal. Of huh oh shit I zoned out uh one two three four <laughs> and go back like a minute minimal of that only two or three times of that okay. uh, but I I definitely didn't entirely understand all of it yeah uh, I mean a lot of this is very abstract I mean even the thing he won the Nobel Prize for figuring out that due to Einstein's uh, general relativity equations black holes are an inevitability. So, like, he just kind of showed that the math says these are going to happen, and that's how he won a Nobel. It was, it was like, most most of this stuff is very mathy, and he talks about it in a way like, yeah, we just stretched the universe out. He, he, like, he's not stretching the universe out. He's just doing stuff with the math so that you can treat it as if the universe is stretched or squished or e- either way you're looking at it. Because don't, don't forget, we, we talked about this before. This is the guy that was talking about the um, imaginary time where you can. 
Oh, you know, right, right, right. What uh, what does imaginary time do again? That's when you you multiply by uh it, it's basically because as you're doing math when you approach singularities, you get infinities and you get uh, it it breaks. That's why we have a singularity. So a black hole, the reason they call it a singularity is because E equals MC squared or um, actually, no, in the case of the general relativity equation that talks about the curvature of space. So when you're doing these equations for, it says that if there's this much mass in an area, space-time is going to curve this amount. So someone did the math and said, well, what if there's an infinite amount of mass in this area? Or what if you have a, a, a certain amount of mass in this area that it approaches infinity or it basically you put too much stuff in one spot doing math it breaks the equation and you get infinity for the curvature so space is curved infinitely if you have too much mass in one spot and everyone was like bullshit so infinitely curved yeah like when i think of a thing curving like I'll think of like a line bending or like uh like a hole being or like something heavy being dropped into like a stretchy material or something like that. Yeah. So does that mean it, it it's curved infinitely it means like uh for lack of a better way to put it the peak or the valley of a straight line just doesn't have a bottom. If you if you represent it like two dimensions, absolutely, okay. you can think of it that way. That it's just a, a bottomless pit. Right on. Yeah, it's tricky with with the third spatial dimension. It gets tricky because then it's everything collapsing inward. So it's not like there's anywhere for it to go because it's collapsing from all directions. Because hmm. it's a sphere almost of collapsing. I guess you could say. But uh, yeah. That was another thing too. Like he pointed to a thing that he drew that had, it was like a, it was a two dimensional drawing. So there was a ring around it and he even pointed it to, but this is two dimensions. Uh, uh, you have to remember it's in three dimensions. So uh, instead of the ring picture, a sphere and right there, it's just like, man, <laughs> how? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that like kind of like an interstellar. Like the idea of like everyone always pictures a black hole in two dimensions and they made the, uh, sorry, the wormhole is two dimensions and they made, right. it, they made it a sphere instead of just a flat line in space. Cause it's not just going to be an Acme manhole or empty space that you throw on the wall and you can punch yeah, what's on the other side or what's on the top or <laughs> yeah. what happens if there's a worm, a two or a, a, a flat wormhole, right? That two dimensional, and you go into the edge, you touch the edge, what happens then? So, yeah, that's, it wouldn't be... Nature doesn't like that kind of stuff anyway. It would prefer everything to be 3D in that way, as far as we can see, as far as our senses show us. Well, that's because nature is very cost-effective. And it's like, look, I paid for three dimensions. We're using three dimensions. <laughs> we have time in the car. <laughs> you can't play with time oh. till you've played with your other dimensions. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the drawing, so I mean, 
he came up with a lot of these drawings. I know Penrose is a big fan of MC Escher. He actually references him in this video, uh, him or her, I don't know, but references Escher in this uh, video in the conformal ideas when, that he talks about that. But um, I know he was a big fan of art. Uh, he came up with a, a few different drawings like the, what's it, the Impossible Triangle or something like that. That's uh, w it, it, It's a surface that wraps around itself and, and forms this triangle. So it's like three pieces, but it's one and you could follow it around indefinitely. Yeah, I think they showed a little bit of that in the intro or something like that. Oh, okay. I, I definitely remember seeing it at some point during the video. Okay. But yeah, it's... It's that same, like where they show, like those optical illusion staircases, where like you walk down one, and then it looks like you can walk down the other ones, and then just kind of keeps you spinning around. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's what he was sitting on for. Yeah, exactly. Like you said. I feel like I got an Escher drawing or a print of it from somewhere at some point. Hmm. I don't know. I don't remember. Well, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Share it with the class if you find it. I'll have to hunt it down. Oh, I'm glad you said class. I think I got it. I think I got it from Mr. Tierney because he oh, was wow. just getting rid of the stuff on his walls. He was like, here, anybody want this shit? And I was like, ooh, let me have this one. It was, uh, I think it was the one with like, the stairs and shit. Yeah, yeah. He goes, cool. yeah, you want this? I remember that. I said, yeah. He walks over and he takes it over the wall and looks over at me and he goes, ooh, trippy. It's <laughs> 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 like, yeah, all right. Well played, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the first drawings in this video are those light cones. And he just like... They just launched into light cones. Like, everybody knows what this is. And then <laughs> kind of ran with it. Yeah. I think they yeah. kind of glazed over most of light cones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they, they did a little bit of explaining what it was. But so was that supposed to be like an... So where the light cone is, like, crunched in the middle and very small. Like, is that a representation of where a singularity would be? And then... Either ends of the cones were like the universe, the previous so the, universe the, and the current universe kind of thing, or not exactly. the The point in the middle where it's crunched together represents now. The like when he was saying time is moving up in his in his pictures, so the cone below is the past, and the cone above is the future. And the idea is light moves at the speed of light. So these are space and time dimensions that they're working with here. I think it was two dimensions of space, um, X and Y kind of, and then one of time, time being the one going up. So that's why it had a cone. Yeah. So in your future and in your past, you can only be influenced by things within your light cone because anything outside of that is too far away spatially to actually get to you because un unless it's moving faster than the speed of light. Because the, the edges of that cone represent the speed of, of light. All right. So the cone, 
So past me and future me can only be affected by other stuff that are inside of the uh, past me can only get affected by stuff that is inside the past cone and future me can only get affected by stuff that's inside the future cone. Yeah. And and you can think because each of those points represent points in space. Like Mm. it's just, again, going up is the passage of time, but going around looking down from that cone on the top and looking at that circle, like a rim, Mm. That's spatial points. So you can only move to the end of this spatial point because you're moving at the speed of light. You can't move faster than the speed of light, so you can't get outside of that light cone in that amount of time. As you, If you're moving up through time, where you are in space, that's the maximum distance you can be, and also the maximum distance anything can influence you. So is it... Is it a big leap to interpret that as I can't be influenced by me from 10 days ago, but me from 12 days ago could potentially be influenced by me from 10 days ago? No, it's more picture me and you. We both have a light cone. And if our light cones are close enough together spatially, they can intersect and we can see each other eventually at some point in the future if we walk towards each other. But if this is getting my light cone... really sexy. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go talking about light touching cones. light cones with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're in for a good time once our light cones intersect. <laughs> <laughs> Past us and future us. Yeah. <laughs> for all of time. <laughs> but if I am across the galaxy and we're moving towards each other, even up close to the speed of light, if our light cones are too far apart spatially, they'll never extend far enough or they'll never extend enough that they'll intersect because we're just too far apart. Even traveling at that speed, we would never be able to influence each other. Okay. Yeah, so it, it's just a representation of uh, space time in 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 a way. I'll use it as an example, not to be taken literally. <sighs> and then that's why they showed the picture of here's space. There was curved space, and here's all these light cones, and they're all shaped differently. And so it's just showing that everything has a light cone of its own, um, and they're all influenced differently by the curvature of space time. A light cone of its own sounds like a children's book on this topic. <laughs> that would be if we could write children's books on like really, really high level, cutting edge physics shit. I could I could take a whirl at that. I could be <laughs> I'm already being dumb with it. <laughs> yeah. I think a, a cone of its own is uh, heading down the right path. All right. Fucking make a marker at the thirty-two thirty point. <laughs> Note to self. Uh let's see, like cones, cone of its own. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I'll I'll keep I'll keep interrupting. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> new, new format this week. I'll keep interrupting you. 
We're going to try something new out. Yeah, it's usually the other way around. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I mean, we, he gets into the reason for these light cones in a little bit, but I just want, I, I thought we should probably uh, cover that because they glance over that. that that's like a minute and a half that they were just like, yeah, here's light cones. And I noticed that there's different light cones. Oh, also, why are there lots of them? Just everything has one, everything in existence. Like, is it one cone per thing? Do is it? Is yeah, it... I mean, it, it's as many light cones. You can you can go so far as to do a, a cone per uh, elementary particle, or you can do a cone per sense sentient sentient being, or you can do a cone per star. Like you know, it it doesn't matter. It's just any. It's an arbitrary thing. It's not a real thing that exists. It's just a way of of measuring. Again, this is like tricks with the math. It's just a, a graphical represent, representation of um, experience through time. All right. I, I was, I'm always getting concerned about exchange rates. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure. I just want to yeah. make sure I'm getting all the light cones that I'm supposed to be getting. I'm not asking for any extra. I just want to. I just want to get my correct amount of light cones. Does this microphone have a light cone? Does it? I mean, and I've seen it stripped down even further where it's not a cone and it's it's just a uh, one dimension of space and one dimension of time graph. And it'll be if vertical is time and horizontal is space, mm. the speed of light is a 45 degree angle because you can't move through space faster than that. Okay. Yeah, so oh, all right. Extrapolate so that, that, add another physical space dimension, and turn that into a car. Oh, all right. Now I, now I kind of well, yeah, I get it about as much as I did. <laughs> but at least, I, <laughs> at least I have another thing that is like, oh yeah, that is also that. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's another yeah, another way to think about the same thing. But again, it's like it's as much as you're going to understand it because it is an abstract kind of thing that we made up and it's a useful tool i guess we in the science community right yeah prior to the show we made this up so black holes at first like i said everyone everyone was like they don't exist this can't exist um one individual showed the dust collapse theory that if there was a cloud of dust and it fell inward perfectly and there were no imperfections and there was no interference and anything just kind of collapsed in together and filled in all the empty space and density became almost infinite that the curvature would also become infinite. Um, and again, everyone was like, no, that can't happen. Even though the math says it can, it doesn't seem like it can happen in nature. And then we found quasars. And quasars were these high energy, like some of the most powerful energetic sources of energy in the universe as far as we know. But they seem to be coming from an area that was very, very small, smaller than our solar system in comparison. So, And didn't he say it was... It was something with like 
the energy of a thousand galaxies in the size of it, a solar system or something like that? Probably. That's because I mean, spoiler alert: <coughs> quasars turned out to be active, uh, supermassive black holes at the centers of faraway galaxies or young galaxies, depending on how you want to look at it. Oh man! If I learned that on this show, I've since forgotten. That is. I don't neat. think he mentioned that. No. Yeah, he just said quasars. No, like if I if if we've brought this up in in any episode previous in in any of our several oh, black okay. hole episodes yeah. we've done thus far. <laughs> uh, gotcha. Yeah, it, yeah. I've heard quasar a bunch, like over the course of my life, and I never realized that they turned out to be supermassive black holes. Yeah, and they they didn't. I think it was kind of a, a recent ish discovery that kind of equated the two of them. Cool shit. And so, there, there's there's a whole bunch of other cool words that it turned out were the same thing, but they just have. I think there's another one called a blast R, and they didn't know <laughs> what that was, but it turns out it, it's just the same thing. It's a quasar, but its jet is pointing at us, so it's extra bright because it's like shining the flashlight oh. right towards us. Yeah. And what is the jet of a black hole again? X-rays. Um. So it all the. Black holes still have poles. They're still magnetic. They still mm. have a charge. So all of the uh, accretion, all the light, or whatever that is heating up and going around in this accretion disk is is causing all of this energy. And it actually is, if it's not absorbed into the black hole, it's channeled towards the poles and sent out in these hyper bursts of uh, gamma rays and... Just insane, insanely powerful jets of energy. Okay, so it, it's not, it's not bright in the sense of like us looking at a thing that's looking bright in the sky. It's it's showing up as X rays and giving off tons of energy that if you then put onto an image, it would look like whoa, that spot's really big and bright. Yeah, you're not going to see it with with the naked eye for sure, but it, it's it's gamma rays if you have some kind of. Something that's measuring the uh, spectrum of light from visible to invisible. Like a spectrometer? Like a spectrometer, indeed. Uh. That is just the tool. <laughs> the old spectrometer. <laughs> Yo, hand me that spectrometer. <laughs> <laughs> spectrometer. What are you trying to look for? Ghosts? <laughs> he seemed to say so jets how did we get on the jets oh just that we found the quasars oh, okay. and saw that there's little places so pulsars aren't like quasars right those are just dense as fuck I think pulsars are spinning neutron stars ah that's right that's what it was yeah. I knew it was like collapsed in on itself super small right and Almost there. Yeah. Not quite black, though. And that you can see with a... If it's close enough, you could see it with the naked eye. I don't know of, of any, but they're probably... I don't know all the stars. <laughs> List them right now. Yeah. In alphabetical order. Go. <laughs> One through 260 billion. <laughs> Go. Then, and then there's magnetars which are the coolest of the pulsars because 
and spinning neutron stars with magnetic fields that are just insane. They rip out all the fillings in the universe. There's none. None left. It's not the tooth fairy sneaking in and stealing your fillings. It's magnetars. You would find everything that was buried at the beach if you had one of those instead of your metal detector. <laughs> Suck it up. Yeah, it's dad jokeish, but I'll take it. <laughs> You're allowed. You've earned it. <laughs> it's true. I do. Have, I have the credentials now. It's my favorite thing about being a dad. Is now I get to. I have an excuse. <laughs> Before I was just a cornball. <laughs> that's what, the, like dad joke. I'm glad that that's a thing because back in the day you were just corny. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, corn. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was always funny getting called just corn, not even cornball. I was like, shut up, corn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, corn. What do we, Magnetar? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Magnetars, Pulsars, Quasars. There we go. That was really it. I mean, just that now there was reason to uh revisit this idea of hey what about if there is enough stuff in one spot what would happen so uh penrose was the guy and and it's funny because he mentions that he was like there's there was a gentleman back in the 60s by the name of john wheeler and blah 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 and he was like and i was working with him and we came up with it and he's like it's not a historian given the history of physics it's Roger Penrose saying all the stuff that he figured out and contributed to physics. I think that's crazy. And he's not, and he's not even cocky about it. He's, he's explaining it like a historian would. He was just like, well, and I had the idea that maybe if light converged at all in one spot, that there would be, you know, <laughs> that, a, a point of no return for light after it got, that was that circle that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And the he uh, like because he also uh, he would bring up things that he came up with, but I think with Hawking specifically, he said something like, uh, "I came up with one, I came up with this one idea, and uh, Hawking kind of took a simplified version of it and used that as the basis to do this other thing, and I rather enjoyed that." It was like. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty pretty humble. Just like matter of fact, yeah, it's just, like no. Then this dude did cooler shit with my shit, and it's like, whoa, that shit's pretty cool. Yeah, and I nonchalantly change science for everyone ever. <laughs> it kind of glosses over that. <laughs> it, that that was him saying that uh, if the curvature is greater than a certain amount that even light would converge into single points getting back to those light cones and then if you you trace these light cones to the singularity that they're going to actually converge and there's going to be no point before that and so hawking he gave that speech and hawking was at the lecture or whatever and um hawking kind of took a step back and applied that to all light cones that if you trace them far back enough that they all converge at the big bang and that's where the uh, Big Bang singularity idea kind of what problem more or less presented itself. Yeah, because there's ultimately that's never going to get proven. 
Right. Yeah, we can only see back so far yeah. before we have no idea. I forget, I was watching some video about some might have even been like a uh, a Brian Cox video, just a quick little thing. And just every now and again, I just like checking in the comments. And it was about the Big Bang, and just some guy was like, and we'll never actually know, so what's the point? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, whatever, dude. No, with that attitude. Yeah. That's why you're commenting under fucking science videos angrily. Because you're not a go-getter, man. Yeah, that's why that... They're out there doing science. Coming up with shit. Uh, I'm going to pee. I'm going to mute it. Oh, <laughs> I didn't talk, so we can cut it, but here's Bianca and Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one's a keeper. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it's a picture of my kids, of course. <laughs> Right, it's yeah. a keeper. She went to pose in front of this duck. Yeah, was that unprompted? She said, "Take a picture of me." I was like, "Of course." <laughs> <laughs> that was going to happen whether you wanted to or not. So I'm right. glad you made it easier on both of us. <laughs> right, this works. This works for everyone. <laughs> All parties involved. <laughs> that makes me wonder how many times that, like, I thought my parents were laughing at something that I, like, said or wanted to do or something like that, and they were laughing for a different reason, but they couldn't tell me, so I was just like, yeah, of course, yeah. whatever you want to do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, there's definitely, that goes on now. <laughs> Totally gonna make fun of my friend with this. <laughs> <laughs> or if they say something, obviously that's like a that's what she said kind of joke. Me and Amanda just kind of look at each other and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So science and black holes, Penrose, yeah. So what did he go into from there? Uh, he was talking about the different types of curvature. Uh, he was again showing different drawings uh, with how the light cones could go into. He had that one I didn't really get where there was like multiple singularities where the light was converging in different points at the top, but not going all the way up into one point. But I think what he was saying is based on what the universe looks like it's doing. In the beginning, there was that closed curvature. He called it, or he called it, it's called Rishi curvature. And that's where everything kind of converges to a point at the beginning versus at the end where it kind of goes out like a cone. That's the the vial curvature, I think it's pronounced. Oh, that's was, right. Rishi. That's right. It's like, hey, yeah. fucking Rishi curvature over here. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, look at Richie Curvature with his convergent light cones. <laughs> Editor in chief of Science Fucking Magazine, Richie Curvature. <laughs> Science Fucking Magazine. I didn't say it right. God damn it. 
I think. Oh, no? Did I? Uh, I don't know. I'll say it again. Science fucking magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, edit that in. Nobody will know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so what was this uh, Ricci curvature? Um, and just it, it is comparing how things could be or to how it seems like they actually are. Um, and then he brought up like the second law of third thermodynamics as well. But what are you going to say? Uh, which was not, uh, two men is always going to beat one man. The second law of thermodynamics. No, that's, that's the, uh, the law of, oh, what does like call them? Wrestling dynamics. Wrestling dynamics. That's it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> start with number three, <laughs> and then we'll come back to number one. <laughs> it's like it's your strongest one. Don't you want to close with it? No, nah, that's why I got to open with it. Right. It's like, all right. I don't want to. I don't want to lose them. Make sure they all. <laughs> uh, the the Ricci cone was the it was. It's not like a usual kind of cone that that's drawn to explain shit with space and time in that it wasn't like consistently small to large like it was kind of like weird and lumpy shaped a little right. bit like there was like a sharp expansion at one point and then it was like then kind of gradual so and, and i think that's kind of why um so he was saying in the early universe rishi curvature is dominant but in the late universe, vile curvature is dominant. And it, it looks like there's the type of curvature changes. That sounds like a sci-fi movie. Like like the opening uh the opening monologue in the beginning. In the late universe vile <laughs> curvature was dominant. <laughs> Many <laughs> suffered at the hands of the rulers of the vile curvature. Only Rishi, only Rishi curvature could save them. <laughs> oh, this curvature is fucking vile. <laughs> <laughs> but I have vile spelt W-E-Y-L. That was fun. Yeah. That's probably, again, he's old, always named after somebody. Someone's getting a curvature named after them today. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many other named curvatures are there, I wonder? This is the f I've only known I've known of zero. And then after this video, two. So <laughs> like I like to imagine Vile coming home from work. His his wife greets him at the door. It's like, hey, and he just kind of just barges right in the house. It's like, well, that's it. They named the curvature after Richie. That's it. What are they, what are there gonna be another curvature? I'm fucking ruined. I'm never going to work in this fucking town again. Oh, Christ. Yeah, just... <laughs> just a few... And then he goes... Yeah, yeah but he's, he goes into work the next day, and it's like, surprise, new curvature day. <laughs> um, Vile, can you come into the break room, please? And they all act like he's in trouble or something. <laughs> Instead, they have a cake. Congratulations <laughs> on your curvature. <laughs> 
he hangs himself the night before and he, he never gets <laughs> after him posthumously. Yeah. And they were gonna do it anyway, but they wanted each one to get their own curvature. Like they didn't want it to overshadow. <laughs> Fucking Vile like, couldn't just let Richie have his moment. Right. And it only makes sense. It was the early un- you start with the early universe and then the late universe comes later. But Val couldn't wait. Not to be outshadowed. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you got your nice moment. Well, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> Steal <laughs> all just, the attention. <laughs> well, he just put a whole bunch of money down on a on a new place he was gonna be moving into after his big curvature bonus. <laughs> A lot of round numbers in that bonus I've heard. (laughs) He already put so much curvature down. (laughs) He thought it was going to be replaced. (laughs) You can buy a house with curvature. (laughs) Curvature is currency. Get first curvature bank. That's why infinite curvature is bullshit. (laughs) It's like exponential growth, man. It's not happening. So, uh, second law of thermodynamics. <laughs> Mentioned that before. Right. But he showed, uh, there were two drawings which I, I thought were interesting because uh, I, didn't, I didn't know about gravity entropy because that's, I'm, I'm more familiar with. So, second law of thermodynamics says that in a closed system, entropy will always increase. Like, there's, it, it's entropy meaning, uh, chaos randomness like if as if you're not putting energy into it over time order will give way to chaos basically um and you can think about that in think about it like chocolate milk first you have the milk and you put in the chocolate in the beginning they're separate you can see here's the chocolate molecules here's the milk molecules and then you stir it and as you stir it entropy increases, meaning the arrangements of the molecules within that glass increases or the the probability that one thing is in one place increases where before you knew where all the chocolate was. The probability of a chocolate molecule being in any one place in that glass was restricted to that area where the chocolate was, if that makes any sense. Then as you stir on the bottom before it's been stirred, all the syrup is sitting down at the bottom. Right. Yeah, it can be any one particular chocolate molecule could be anywhere within that lump of chocolate at the bottom, but it's still a very small area compared to the size of the, gla- of the glass itself. Then as you stir it, when it gets to being completely mixed, that same chocolate molecule can be anywhere. It's completely random. It's completely spread out. It's all homogenous now, and uh, it all balanced itself out. So if you think of the universe in that way, in the beginning, all the stuff was near each other in the early universe. The Big Bang spreads out over time and eventually is anything can be anywhere as it's infinitely spread out and entropy has steadily increased in that way. So every time I think I know what entropy means, I don't know what entropy means. Because I was, <laughs> I thought entropy was like, uh, like decay or, uh, yeah, like stuff. Decay, things decaying add to entropy. 
Entropy is, again, it's kind of a, in this sense, what we're talking about, it's kind of a mathematical idea in, in that uh, it has to do with randomness and probability of where things are. All right. Well, back to not knowing what it means. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally thought I had it. And um, off topic, but life, if you think about inorganic going to organic Mm. organic molecules or organic beings are arranged more um or less random than inorganic would be so life arising is a decrease in entropy in a fashion however our waste and the way we process in the the environment things that we do to stuff around us increase the overall entropy in a closed system. So it's kind of like a, a weird blip on the radar that, again, it's a miracle that life happened because it, in a sense it goes against the second law of thermodynamics, which is like a basic law of the universe in general. But because it's still on the grand scheme of things, the universe was like, hey, what's going on over here? And life was kind of like, no, 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 we're giving most of it back. And it was, all right, I'll, <laughs> I'll allow it. But <laughs> No, no, you, you have no idea it. how much we're going to poop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to breathe out so much. <laughs> Look, watch. See, entropy is going up. <laughs> I'm, I'm only going to breathe out whatever I breathe in. So it's, yeah. <laughs> That's just going to be that maniac who just breathes in his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do, you, what do you think this is? <laughs> what do you think we evolved for? It's for you. We did this. We're doing this for you. We're helping. <laughs> help us help you. Universe. But, and back to the chocolate milk analogy. In the beginning, when it's separate, it's just milk and chocolate. And in the end, where it's all chocolatey milk both of those are relatively boring like in in the beginning before or at the big bang and at the end where we're talking about heat death in the middle though where the swirls are going on and it's actually stuff is on the side of the glass and there's interesting arrangements that arise that's kind of where we are right now and that's the reason why stuff can happen the way it has been happening so it's uh an interesting consequence of the second law of thermodynamics, I guess. So heat death is a delicious dessert drink. Eventually. Yeah. Might be. It might be something else too, according to Penrose, but we'll get there. Um, so all of that was to say that then he said gravity entropy goes the other way. And I didn't know that you could just say blah 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 entropy like <laughs> no that's that's gravity entropy it's different but in in that drawing it was showing that everything was kind of spread out as far as matter goes and then eventually clumped together and ended in black holes where now all the gravity is in one spot but somehow the entropy went up in gravity when that happened which i do not understand so now I will explain what I misunderstood because I thought I knew what entropy meant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's like gravity entropy. And I was like, 
Okay, yeah, the gravity weakens. That makes sense. But uh, that is not what he meant. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it seemed like, it. I mean, in a sense, it did weaken in those places where matter was but no longer is. And now it's just in select spots. I, I don't really understand it, though. And he said the future is high matter entropy but low gravity entropy. So, like, I don't know. Again, we're just adding different new types of entropy. This is over my head. So, uh, apologize to anyone who's trying to learn Penrose from me. But on this <laughs> one, I'm a little bit stumped. I, I would recommend having a good, firm grasp on what the word entropy means. <laughs> <laughs> Start there, folks. And then... Uh, <laughs> see how this grabs you your, your best bet actually is probably years of college like so <laughs> much so so much college and then it work experience in the field like if you dedicate like a decade of your life to this you'll probably be uh, able to explain this to us so yeah like until then shut up <laughs> you don't know what entropy is either <laughs> like i just picture the the final shot before uh, before they go in to take their final. It's just somebody sitting at at a desk in a library or at a table in a library and going, oh, that's what they meant. Close the book. Credits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, some, some 90s song, some Farrelly Brothers movie song over the credits. Some kind of saxophones involved. Okay. We can do saxophone. Huey Lewis in the news. Never going to say no to that. So, everything that Penrose was just saying in this video, a lot of it was talking about his previous accomplishments. A lot of it was talking about uh, things that have been, I don't want to say proven, some somewhat proven, some more accepted in theory, um, sound theory and, and obviously black holes are, are real. We have pictures of them. So all of the, all of what he said came to be. He kind of looked at this whole entropy thing and looked at all the curvature that we've been talking about. And uh, I think to quote him, he looked at the very distant future. I don't know if he said it in this video, but I've heard him say it before. We're thinking about heat death, that he looked to the future and how for most of time, nothing was going to happen. And he thought, well, that seems pretty boring. And <laughs> just from that went into uh, his next theory uh, about conformal cyclical universes. So to start out with, Planck and Einstein came up with two of the key equations in physics uh, regarding energy equals mc squared and e equals uh, delta h or delta nu or whatever you say but um, what it boils down to i think we've talked about it on the show before but that uh, mass is a frequency of some particle um, we've proven that before but a frequency means a clock so there's something that is recurring, like that frequent, you know? So 
mass, time actually derives from the existence of mass. Time exists because of mass. Yes. If there was no matter or no mass, there would be nothing to interpret time or to understand scale as well. That's another thing that uh, when you're dealing with things that don't have mass, they move at the speed of light because that's what everything moves at unless something slows it down, which generates mass, which then would time would arise from that and so on and so forth. So with no mass, size doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter. Um, in the future, at some point, this heat death of the universe, there will be no mass after even these supermassive black holes are the only things that will exist. But eventually, through Hawking radiation, even they'll radiate and shrink and, and disappear as well. I think the New York Post's headline about that would be, No mass, no mass. <laughs> uh, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I can usually Awful. guess their headlines based off of sporting events or get relatively close within most of the words. Yeah. Ugh. And there it's always yeah, the cheesiest fucking not it's not that joke. It is cornball. It's straight corn. Like there was a there's a guy who was a defenseman for the Rangers, uh Brett Sauer, Brett Brent Sauer, I don't know. But his last name is spelled S-A-U-E-R, and he scored the game-winning overtime goal. There's definitely sweet is going to be in there, Yeah, right? I, I, I went on Facebook uh, and I said, I guarantee the headline for New York Post tomorrow is sweet and sour. Ugh. And it was. Yeah. It was. I'm proud of myself, I think. <laughs> yeah, but someone wrote that, got a pat on the back, and it was like, ugh, come on. It's so base and awful. <laughs> Like all rise when Aaron Judge hits a home run. Yeah, stop it. That I hate that so much. I I hated uh, I hated the Grandy Man delivers. Yeah, Uh, that's that's another bad one. Candy men don't deliver, right? Why 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 is it the Grandy Man delivers? Yeah, I thought the Candy Man can. I I was pretty certain he did. Yeah. There's nothing about delivery there. No, and he said mixes it with love, makes the world taste good. Fine. But you got to come to the store and get it. I mean, I'm not fucking, I already (laughs) took a rainbow and hung it from a tree or whatever the song is. (laughs) I got to bring it to you too. (laughs) Is that how it goes? I don't know. It's candy (laughs) man, not candy men. Come pick it up yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see a staff. What are we? New York Post. I don't know. Something about the New York Post. <laughs> That's where we got here. Oh, no mass, no mass. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> right. so, this is when he showed uh, that, that MC Escher picture. Where it had um, basically the, these drawings that were the same angles, the same uh, proportions, but different sizes. And the ones in the middle were bigger, and the ones towards the ends were smaller. 
but in this graphic, as they moved the the smaller ones that were further away, as they got to the middle of the screen, slowly got bigger. But again, proportions never changed, and it was just showing that depending on uh, your point of view, the uh, the scale doesn't necessarily matter. And I mean, the, again, this is a trick of math. It's it's pointing that. If you take mass out of things like Maxwell's equations, scale doesn't matter anymore. If you do, those are the questions, uh, questions, the equations for uh, electromagnetism. If you pull mass out of those and just ignore that or whatever, those equations now, scale doesn't matter. You can change the sizes of things and it won't affect the output of those equations. That's, that's what that means. So it's a... Uh, to say in the distant future there's no mass so scale doesn't matter i don't know if that's a, a naturally occurring thing it's just what penrose sees in the math in the distant future there is no mass so scale does not matter <laughs> this guy just writes opening lines to sci-fi fantasy yeah but when he said, I, I, I love the way he talks when he sticks in, you see, like at the end of the sentence. Like, so there'll be no protons that left, you see. And, you know, like his matter of fact, you you just like, I, I need a second. I got to sit down and process what you just <laughs> told me. Like, I don't know. Again, a, a, a comforting grandfather. <laughs> there'll be no protons left, you see. Actually, I don't yet. Give me a moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love you. I'd love to if you stop interrupting me. <laughs> Trying to figure this out, man. And mass means there's a clock. You see, with no mass, the equations don't care about scale. <laughs> That's Jesus. You did that in two sentences. I gotta <laughs> have to break that down. Yeah, like it's it's too much word economy. Like he's he's yeah, way too he's... precise with what he's saying. It's like it's just. A little bit of fluff in there, maybe even just like an uh, or mm, just so I can <laughs> some backstory, a little more backstory. <laughs> oh, I suppose I should start at the beginning, shall I? So, uh, I guess all of this is setting up to say, kind of like what he was doing with the imaginary time, where you can play with math to do things that you couldn't do otherwise. Um, in the math, if you take out that vile curvature or um, set the vial curvature to zero so that there's, there is no funneling outward. It's kind of, again, just playing with, with the math. Set um, the vial curvature to zero. See? <laughs> but if, if, if you do that, the early universe and the late universe look the same. That in the end, there's no mass. But in the early universe, mass doesn't matter because the energy is so high that the, uh, I guess the gravity is, and the mass comes from the motion of all the particles. So they behave as if they're particles without mass, if, again, mathematically. Um, so due to that and that similarity, they did that, that conformal transformation, I guess you could say, like with the M.C. Escher picture. If you take that edge um, drawing that's teeny, teeny, tiny, 
but you zoom in on that and you make it the same size as the middle one. You take that middle one that's front and center and it's big and you shrink that down. So now the two of those are the same size. You notice the same angles, the same proportions. They're, they're identical other than the scale. So removing the or making the vial curvature zero, again, these equations now ignore scale. The early universe and late universe look the same. So what he believes is when you take mass out of the equation, you zoom out far enough, wait long enough, heat death is a big bang for the next universe. So it doesn't all collapse back in on itself and then re-explode back out and re-explode back in, right? Right. Yeah, there's no bounce. Right, that was the word for it. Now, when they're saying stuff like uh, there's no matter, they're probably also trying to approach it just like to better understand it, saying shit like, all right, well, what if we think of it not as there's no matter, but there's an absence of matter? Like almost like a negative number kind of thing? Yeah, rather than spread far out enough. And Well, I mean, <laughs> that there's two theories on that. Part one is most everything will be left in black holes at that point. That There'll be various supermassive black holes and that'll just be it. There's also a theory that in a certain point in the future, it's 10 to the triple digit number, whatever, however far away it is, or 10 to the 80, or I don't know what it is, but it's some gigantic number. But in that number of years, that protons actually break down. Uh, that's a theory. There's no way to prove it because you have to be around. But if that's the case, then there's definitely going to be no matter. It's just going to be uh, the protons will break down and the black holes will eventually pop and it'll just be photons and stuff like that left massless particles. So crazy that that's somebody's job. <laughs> right? <laughs> Think about this, write that down, do this equation. <laughs> Yeah, like I said that before. I mean, this is this is kind of a, a tangent and stupid, but um, I've said before. Like I used to like algebra in high school, as as weird as that may sound. I wish there was a job where you just did algebra problems. Like you walk into work and they're like, "You're never gonna believe it. We have no idea. We don't know. We don't know what X is. We can't figure it." Like, all right, I'll figure this out. You take the paper and. <laughs> That job would be amazing. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. This is what I was born to do. <laughs> <laughs> you never really, I mean, I guess you use algebra in a way, but I don't know. It's never complex. It's just in your brain. <laughs> Somebody overlooking, or someone looking over his shoulder, rather, while he's do oh he you <laughs> someone looking over your shoulder while you're doing it going first outside inside last did you see that he went first outside inside last who does that <laughs> yeah i figured it out though we got x we got X. <laughs> throwing papers in the air. <laughs> Someone starts photocopying their ass on the on the copier. <laughs> what a day! 
Light cigars, pop champagne. Yeah, that was probably the better direction to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't brought up people. Photocopying in your ass is yeah. fun, too. <laughs> they cut that guy out of Apollo 13. Like when everyone was celebrating in the in the, in the control room, <laughs> they're all hugging each other. The guy's just sitting on the copier ass out. Just, yeah! <laughs> yeah, you guys like this? <laughs> You just see the light moving <laughs> underneath them, shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> Last thing on this whole uh, crazy Penrose idea. So, I mean, to to wrap your head around that, it's a lot. I don't really understand it either. But I guess the idea is in a cold, dead universe, if you zoom out far enough, it looks like it's hot and energetic. Which, you know, it, it's impossible to prove, but mathematically it seems to make sense. However, Roger Penrose does think that there are signals that could possibly get through from one, what he calls an aeon, one eon to another. Signals such as when galaxy-sized supermassive black holes collide the gravitational waves that would be sent out from that could possibly be detected across um, a next Big Bang. Um, Whatever that barrier is. Right. So he believes that we see them in our good friend, the cosmic microwave background. And he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you pesky physicists. (laughs) <laughs> there he is again <laughs> but um, I don't know if like he thinks we see them um, I don't know if this has been peer reviewed peer tested whatever all that good stuff but uh, that would be something if, if this was actually provable yeah like how do you <laughs> you gotta stick around until the next Next aeon starts, <laughs> yeah, and then see if that thing you sent. <laughs> you just have to wait for all the black holes to uh, to expire. I think that's something like ten to the hundred and twenty. They expire too. Oh, I, I, eventually, yeah. Hawk, Hawking radiation they evaporate. Right, right, right. Okay. The, it's just the, the literally longest thing in the universe to ever happen. <laughs> most of the uni- most of the life of the universe is going to be waiting for these fucking black holes to go away to see if this will start again. <laughs> just like even photons would be like, I don't experience time, but this is taking forever. <laughs> and it's just it's just a bunch of dudes standing around, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Shh, 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 shh. Just like waiting for him to <laughs> expire. Yeah. It's gonna happen. It's like, ah, told you. Pay up ten dollars each, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. Yeah, this dude is uh this dude's badass. Yeah. I could definitely watch more of his stuff. I mean and, and this this was condensed too. This was what a twenty four minute video, and like you said, every single sentence out of his mouth was just very economic with the word choices. It was 
and assume that you knew a bunch. He was studying his darts instead of studying me. (laughs) 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 Or instead of studying Ghostface, rather. Uh, Paid off. (laughs) I'm glad it worked out for him, you know? Yeah. Now, 2020, that was that was his first Nobel, huh? Which is pretty crazy. But yeah, when when was he born? Let me double check. 1931. So he's, so he's in the 90s? 31, so 93. Wow. Oh, shit. And he just get that talk was from what, 2021? 20, yeah. Jesus Christ! You know, he, yeah, he's still active. He's still pretty active. He he won a 90. Nobel at ninety. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, at, at that point, do you say thank you, or do you say it's about fucking time? Because I came up with this idea sixty years ago, and you guys told me I was crazy. People people who took my shit and ran with it have gotten Nobels. How have I right. not gotten a fucking <laughs> Nobel yet? Yeah, you should give me two. Actually, I should get next year's by default. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, I, he, he probably just said thank yeah. you. Went back to work. <laughs> I was rather appreciate this. It's uh, very delightful. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he has like yeah he's almost a hundred years old. Like he he says fancy things like you see at the end of sentences. Right. <laughs> but he says rather a bunch. I think he did say rather a few times. Absolutely. It was rather interesting. (laughs) Rather interesting, you see. He was like, these Russians put out a paper, and I just just thought it was wrong. (laughs) I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So unless there's anything else. uh... No, just, yeah, Roger Penrose. There's plenty of. Plenty of YouTube videos of his out there, um, but I will uh, will put this one below. Yeah. Uh, Under the guise of science, guys always spelled G-U-I-S-E. Find us at Gmail on Facebook and Instagram. Yep, we are also on YouTube, TikTok, and on Twitter we are at ScienceGuys, or X, whatever. And uh, as always, listen to Fart Barf. Yes. And see you next time, you fuckers.